I wonder if you've tried to fix something that's broken, uh, particularly things that have cracked, uh, maybe a teacup or a teapot or a plate. Uh, you've whacked some super glue or something to try and fix it because it's precious, because it's got value to you. Uh, I don't know if you've tried that, but it never ends up looking quite the same, um, especially if you lather super glue on it and you stick it together, the glue just oozes out. just doesn't quite look right. Um, not long ago, I uh, tried to fix the cover on my personal Bible. Uh, it's got a nice velvet blue on it now. But you can see the glue marks kind of coming through because I put too much glue on it. When we try and fix things, if we don't know what we're doing, sometimes it quite, doesn't quite look right. But you might be familiar with this Japanese art of uh, restoring pottery. Uh, and rather than just sticking it together with glue, they mix the lacquer with gold. Uh, and what you end up with is actually a beautiful piece of art. Um, and it's a wonderful thing to see, uh, especially to see it being done. Because um, you have this bo- broken pottery and, or, um, and it's restored in such a unique way. But that's life sometimes, isn't it? Life, particularly for us in our world, is marked by brokenness of different kinds. It's marked by sin. It's marked by imperfection. And there's different parts of life that are broken. It is, no matter how we try and put it back together, sometimes it just doesn't quite look the way that it used to. But that's why we're here. It's why the church exists, because we're a place where sinners belong. We're a place where hypocrites belong. The church is often criticized for being full of hypocrites. Well, that's because they belong here, because they're broken. They're sinners. We're a place for the sick, for the broken. And even this pastor, your pastor, is broken, imperfect, and sick. This letter that Paul writes to the Corinthians is written to prove himself because the Corinthians don't think he stacks up against other super apostles. Uh, He has to give a defense of himself. Uh, And and that's the context for these words that he writes. But fortunately, I think Felix and I can say we're extremely blessed that this is not a place where we have to prove ourselves. We don't have to prove our worth to you. Uh, you, ha- you are extremely gracious and loving in accepting us warts and all. And so fortunately, we don't have to speak like Paul does here. Uh, but Paul here gives a defense for himself. And so he must go on boasting, even though there's no point to it. Um, one of the things that I hear a lot is people... Uh, going to a job interview, hate promoting themselves. Anyone in that boat? No? Oh, a few, a few, okay. We're we're a humble bunch. Um, It's a weird feeling, isn't it, where you go into a job interview and you have to kind of promote yourself to to sell yourself in a job interview. Um, And that's, that's kind of what Paul does here. He doesn't say it that way. He says that I know a man And he speaks of his spiritual experience of seeing visions. 
that he can't talk about. I know a man too, who was called by God to serve him at the age of eight. Whether that was a physical voice that he heard or the gentle whisper of God, who knows? God knows. He would go to serve on committees of various ministries and lead different groups. He would have the opportunity to go do ministry overseas in various places across the world. He would be invited to speak at conferences. God did amazing things and I can boast about a man like that. But I won't boast about myself like that. Instead, I will boast about my weaknesses, about my struggles and my failures. Could boast like that, it would be true, but I won't. Because that's not what we're here to do. Not why I'm here. If I was to boast, I would boast about how I've struggled these past years. I've struggled with ministry in COVID. I've struggled with my family and my kids and the hardships that they've gone through. I've struggled with disability. I've struggled with cancer in my son. And for a long time, I held it all together. But that time has run out. Instead, the adrenaline has run out and I find myself battling with depression and stress. And I've said this before, but coming to face that reality and to deal with that reality is another story. Paul experienced these visions of greatness that he couldn't share with anyone. And he says, therefore, in order to keep myself from being conceited, God gave him a thorn in his flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. It's an interesting thought, isn't it? That God would give this apostle, this messenger, this ministry worker, a thorn, something that would cause him constant agony to keep him from being conceited. It's humbling. This great apostle was humbled by a thorn in his flesh. We don't know what it is. Uh, Some people think that it might have been some sort of physical ailment, his eyesight or some other impairment. We don't know. But this thorn was given to keep him from being conceited. Now, when we think of conceit, we often think about ego or pride. But I think there's another side to this that we probably overlook. It's a focus on self. And that may not be egotistical or prideful. It might be actually self-pity and self-effacing. What keeps me humble? Well, my marriage, my children, this church. But let me say this. You're not the thorn. My, ma- my, my family and my kids, they're not the thorn. 
for Thorn, ironically enough, is my love for them. It's my love for you. That's my thorn. Why is it my thorn? Well, in these past few years, that thorn has become my whole self-focus. And I don't say that out to, to gain pity or pride. I say that because there's a real danger as we focus on others that that becomes our sole driving purpose for existence. And the danger there that Paul highlights is that we actually lose sight of the bigger picture. We lose sight of what life for the Christian is about. Because see, Paul says this, verse 8, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. And so there's nothing wrong with that. As we deal with our brokenness, as we deal with our failures, our weaknesses, and our circumstances, there's nothing wrong with what Paul says here. He prays that God would take it away. But this is God's response to him, verse 9. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. See, the problem that I've had these past few years is that I've forgotten this. That I've forgotten that it is not about my grace or my power to protect my family, to protect my kids and to protect this church. It's not my role to do that. It's none of our roles. We're not called to take the place of God. We're not called to do the things that only God can do. And so these past few years, as much as I have preached on the grace of God and the power of God, I have forgotten it. I've forgotten what it is to depend and to live in His grace and His power. And so as a result of that, the plan is that I'll take a couple of months off, a time of extended leave, to remember this, to take time to rediscover God's grace and what it is to depend and to live in his power. Uh, And so we'll share more details in the coming weeks, uh, but uh, there'll be a time when uh, myself and my family won't be present uh, so that we can do this. And why? Why do we do this? Well, Paul continues, Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I want to boast, I want to live the way that Paul does. Not afraid of my weaknesses, Not in fear of my weaknesses, but in utter dependence on God. To know the power and his grace so that I might be strong. Not strong in myself to to protect my family and my kids in this church. 
not to lead because I somehow am gifted and wise and able, but because Christ is. And so I hope at the end of two months that I will delight all the more in my weaknesses so that you might see more of Christ. But I want to leave some thoughts for you. It's not just about me. In fact, it's not about me, it's about Christ. I want to leave you with a few thoughts. Christian maturity is not measured by achievements or experiences. It's measured by faith, no matter how small, but faith in the grace and power of God. And this is something we constantly wrestle with. That who we are and what we are is not measured by what we can do or the things that we experience in life, but it is His grace and His power demonstrated in our lives. And so you can know the Scripture You can know the doctrines of God. You can know them and teach them and reveal them. You can stand before crowds at conferences, and that is not maturity. Maturity for the Christian is measured in our faith in God's grace and His power. So I want to challenge you to consider, how do you measure your maturity as a Christian? Or how do you measure the maturity of others who say they're Christians? Do you look at what they do and what they achieve and how they live? It's one of the things that makes it hard for non-Christians to understand why Christians are broken and hypocritical sometimes. Because that's not what we're about. We are people who discover life through the grace and power of God, not through ourselves our achievements or experiences. Two, our circumstances, our frailty, our sin and our weaknesses are not God's judgment. Instead, they are thorns at times that point us back to Christ. Some of those are our own doing. Others are from God And others, as Paul says, are messengers of Satan. There are spiritual dynamics at play. But regardless, as we look at our lives, as we look at our circumstances, as we look at our frailty, our brokenness, our sin and our weaknesses, these are not judgments, these are not punishments. They are there to turn our eyes to Christ, to help us see that our strength, our source of power comes from God and God alone. And lastly, we boast. As Christians, we boast. But we don't boast in ourselves. We boast in Christ. And like the Japanese art of Kintsugi, we come not to be stuck together with Bland superglue that looks ugly and goes all over the place. 
as we come to Christ, as we come in our weakness, in our brokenness, in our sin, in our frailty, the grace and the power of God, the blood of Christ that we remember shed at Easter, that renews us, it restores us, it heals us, and turns us into something more beautiful than we could ever imagine. And so we boast in Christ. And so the marks of our brokenness and our frailty and our sin can be used by Christ to be a beautiful testimony of how great he is. And so I want to encourage you, I want to encourage all of us not to be afraid of your weaknesses, not to be afraid of your sin, not to be afraid of your brokenness, but to bring them to Christ. And as we remembered at Easter, he takes it all to the cross. And as I've been reminded, we will never know the full depths of our suffering. We will never know the full extent of our pain because Christ will take it to the cross. He will shed his blood. He has shed his blood. He has broken his body so that we might be restored, that we might be healed, that we might be forgiven. So I pray that we might make much of Christ in our weakness. And I pray that as Felix and I continue to minister to you, that we will continue to make much of Christ in our weakness so that you see more of Christ and that you might give glory to him. So, again, uh, if you have any questions or if you, want, if you need prayer, if you want to talk about some of the things that I've shared for yourself, please come and see, see us, come see Felix, and I would love to pray with you, love to minister to you. Um, but, uh, as I said, um, in the coming months, I'll be taking some time of leave uh, just to do this for myself. Um, and I'd appreciate your prayers in that. Uh, so let me pray um, as we bring that to a close. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we are able to boast in you, to boast in our weaknesses, our brokenness, in our frailty, in our sin. We thank you that we are not a people who boast or feel the need to boast in how great we are. But instead, we are able to come and boast in how great you are. And that no matter who we are, whether we're pastors or people in the pews, you love us and you have sent your son, Jesus Christ, to die for us. And by your blood, make us new. And so we thank you for that. We do pray that you will continue to lead and guide this church, that you will continue to build it, and that we might be a place where we make much of Christ in the midst of our weaknesses. So help us to do that. Help us to boast in you and make much of Christ. And this I ask for the sake of Christ alone. Amen.